As you take a seat, um, just I don't know if you can see it from where you are, but there are um, a whole string of paintings against the green fencing over there. And the kids this morning were painting pictures of fruit. So uh, on, they're fantastic. So if you get a chance, linger on your way out before they grab them and take them home and have a little look at the fruit paintings. Okay, we're going to do something a little bit different as I begin the sermon this morning. Um, we're going to have a little quiz. And so we're going to divide ourselves up. So um, Amy, if you could be over here. Katie, if you could be over there. Abby, if you could be on Zoom. Um, Anna, uh, let's see. Jessica, you are in this team. So you, the, the line comes kind of down the middle. Chrissy and JM, you are in that team. Anna, you're in that team. Okay, so we've got the A's, the B's, and the Zoomies. Now, we're hoping that um, Katie and uh, Amy and Abby are going to be able to gra grasp your answers quickly when you send them out. There are one point if an adult answers a question, two points if a kid answers a question. Okay, and all, all the questions are about 1 Corinthians. So you're going to have to think hard. Um, also, the final bonus question at the end of this quickfire round is going to be, can you sum up the book of Corinthians in between one and six words. Okay, so it, you might want to think about that a little bit while we're doing the other questions. So you've got to be quick because this is going to be, um, uh, you know, rapid fire. So first of all, when did we start the sermon series on Corinthians? Zoomies, you've got to write this quick in your chat. Shout it out, Weber. Jan January. Okay, January for the, the A's. How many chapters are there in 1 Corinthians? Come on, let's have a kid. Yep. I think that was Lottie. Lottie, did you get it right? Yep, 16. Excellent. Who wrote the letter to the Corinthians? Paul. I think actually that was Brendan. Okay, now bonus question here. Who actually physically wrote the letter to the Corinthians? Oh, tricky one, tricky one. God's a good answer, but it's not the one I'm looking for. Okay, it was right in chapter one, and it comes up again at the end, I think. Anyone, anyone, anyone? Come on, come on. Timothy, no, no, no. Paul, well, we've had Paul, no. Okay, Sosthenes, that's it. Okay, nobody got that. Here's a really hard one, and I'm looking to, uh, yeah, some, some really know-it-alls for this one. Does anyone have a rough idea of within five years when we think Paul wrote this letter? Really hard one. Weber. Sorry? Pretty good. That's it. That's uh, almost bang on according to the commentaries I read anyway. Okay, where was Paul when he wrote it? Now, there was a clue in chapter 16, which we've just heard read. Lottie, what did you say? Where was Paul? Okay, actually, there was my front row buddy here. Got it right. Uh, Ephesus for Team A. Right back at the beginning, there was a clue about this one. What made Paul write this letter? What was it that stimulated him to write the whole letter, we think? We're pretty certain. A letter? I heard a letter. It was definitely a letter from. Yeah. Does, can you remember who it was from? Oh, I think I might have heard it from here. Did I hear it from here? It was somebody, some, a name I'm looking for. No? Zoomies. Where are you? Come on, Zoomies. You, you, you can even be looking this stuff up. Okay. Um, Chloe's people sent a, a message to Paul. Um, uh, I think I might have already said this, but what 
kind of writing is it? How could you describe this book using a word of something that we do quite often? We write some things. Did you get it? Was that, was that okay? We got a letter. Yes, it's a letter. Um, does anyone know what country Corinth is in or was in? What country? Oh, there was, actually, there might have been, I think there might have been an Ortega there. No, okay. Lottie is really hot on this. Lottie is getting all the points for Team B. Uh, Greece is correct. Okay. You can shout out lots of these. What are some of the themes that came up in 1 Corinthians? Put your, why don't you put your hand up if you've got one quickly and then, okay. Ginny? Unity. Yes. I didn't hear that, sorry. Love? Yes, very good. Come on, Team A. Somebody must know something in Team A. Repeat that, please, David. Meat. Yes, meat. Yeah, Weber. Sorry? Gifts. Gifts. Yes, gifts came up. Okay, I've got about 16 more. Come on. Anyone else? Lottie again for the win. Did you get that? Communion came up. Yep, yep. Okay, one last one. Anyone else? Got it. Got one. One more. Women came up. Yeah, quite a lot. Women came up quite a lot. So well done. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna draw a blank on uh, uh, for any more there. But who would like to give a definition of the whole book of One Corinthians in up to maximum of six words? Hands up. Any coming in on? <laughs> well, thank you, Zoomies. I don't know if any of us are invited as well, but I'm glad the Zoomies are going to Corinth together. Build up the community. Okay, that's really nice. I like that one. Weber, you had one? The greatest of these is love. Very good. Six words. That was great. Lottie? Laws, was that laws? Laws, let's go for laws and love. I'm going to just add, finish that for you. Uh, <laughs> anyone else? Got another one. Very good. Brendan. Say that again. Fixing mistakes in community. Oh, I like that. A Abby? Godly life together. That came from the Zoomies. The Zoomies are making a, a, a late break for this. Anyone else? Okay, Katie, um, the score's on the doors, and you are in charge of Team B. So if Team B wins, that could be suspect. Okay, well, hear, hear it up for the Bs, largely because of Lottie. I think, you know, man of the match, woman of the match goes to Lottie there for paying lots of attention. So well done, everybody. Okay. So as I was thinking about 1 Corinthians, um, I actually, my summary came up as forge unity through love. That was why I added love onto yours, Lottie. Forge unity through love. So kids, a lot of you are doing draw chalk drawing on the floor, and that's fantastic. If you need a topic to do, perhaps you could draw something about love, how people relate to each other, or how you build bridges, how you fix mistakes in community with love. Or maybe you could take a moment to write a letter to someone to tell them why you love them. 
So we're going to take a quick look at this final chapter in 1 Corinthians. Now, to be honest, chapter 16 doesn't come up in the lectionary. So you probably, there's a high chance that you haven't ever heard a sermon on 1 Corinthians 16. It's one which is quickly glossed over most of the time. But as I thought about this theme of forge unity through love, I actually saw it coming up repeatedly, even in this final chapter. If you've got it on your phones or if you've got your Bible with you, feel free to pull it up and have a look at it. If you can resist WhatsApp at the same time, um, you know, that, that if it's going to tempt you, don't go there. But right at the beginning of chapter 16, the first thing Paul talks about is, can anyone remember actually? Taking a collection, taking a collection. So he's saying to the people in Corinth, can you take a collection and send it to Jerusalem, to the Christians in Jerusalem? Now, why on earth should they do that? Well, I think it was another good example of Paul forging unity through love. Because the Christians in Jerusalem were mainly Jewish. They were mainly persecuted. They were having a pretty rough time. To be honest, it was probably a lot harder to be a Christian in Jerusalem than it was in Corinth. Corinth was a much more free and easy community. You could kind of worship any way you wanted to, and they had people worshiping any way they wanted to in Corinth. And again, Paul is saying, okay, you Gentile Christians, how are you going to support these um, Jewish Christians? What are you going to do about it? Well, take your extra money and send it to them. Can you forge some unity through the ways you use your resources? And I think that's a good reminder again for us. How do we build bridges? How do we forge unity in the body of Christ using our extra money, as Paul would put it? And so he asks them to forge unity through love. In the next little section, Paul then gives them his travel plans. And he says, okay, I'm going to go to Macedonia. And and then he says in verse 8, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has been opened for me, and there are many adversaries. I'll come back to that in a moment. And then it, he's sending this letter with Timothy. And he said, if Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord just as I am. Therefore, let no one despise him. Now, I think what happened was that Paul sent this letter with Timothy to Corinth. Now, if you were Timothy and you were likely to be despised by the Corinthians, there was a bit of me which thought, I wish Paul had put this in chapter one, because by the time they've read 16 chapters and they've had to go through all the hard topics that they've had to go through, right at the end, he says, be nice to Timothy. Honestly, I think they could have given a heads up, be nice to Timothy right at the beginning. But yet again, he's taking care of his Timothy. Timothy was a young guy. Timothy was really inexperienced. And here he was having to challenge them about all these things which they have been struggling with in Corinth. And so he says, forge unity through love. Love Timothy. Be kind to him. Pay attention to him. Let him serve you. Send him on his way in peace. Don't beat him up. And then also in this section, he mentions Apollos. And again, if you think way back to January, Apollos came up right at the beginning of this book as well as somebody who was the Corinthians were setting Paul and, and Apollos up against each other and trying to get them to have some sort of competition about who was going to be the best leader. And here Paul makes it really clear, hey, Apollos and I are a team. We're working together. So I've talked to Apollos. It's not the right time for him to come. He's not coming now. But again, Paul was forging unity through love, asking them to be generous, asking them to pay attention. 
And then finally, we're going to linger, linger as Paul begins to wrap up. He gets to these verses in verse 13 and 14. Keep alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. This is where we're going to linger for a few minutes now. Keep alert. Keep alert. And we, I'm going to actually ask you to learn this verse with me today because it's such an easy one to ver- learn and it's such a good summary in itself of the whole of 1 Corinthians. So when you hear the phrase, keep alert, I wonder what it makes you think of. I think there's different ways that we can keep alert. Sometimes it's to do with just being very aware of our um, surroundings. So last week, Simon and I had a great fun. We got to go to Chincoteague for a couple of days and we were um, on one of those bird watching platforms. And as we came up to it, this young, very keen ornithologist turned to us and said, have you come for the yellow rail? And we said, well, well actually, no, <laughs> but, but I'm glad that you have. And he then told us how he had been there that morning and he was there that evening and he was listening on his phone to the sound that a yellow rail makes and playing it and trying to listen hard and he told us what to look out for and he was using all his senses to look for that yellow rail. And if he could have found it and held it, he would have checked out the coloring on its legs and its beak and its wings. He would have paid such attention. He was externally on full alert. Often we're on alert if we think we're going, things are going to be dangerous as well. Um, if the verse which comes to mind to me when I hear the phrase keep alert is the one from 1 Peter, which says, keep alert like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. This idea of keep alert. You might miss something if you don't. So that's the first phrase, keep alert, both externally and internally. And what I'm going to suggest is also that we need to watch internally. We need to keep alert to things like those voices in our head, particularly perhaps listening out for that critical voice that wants to demean us and pull us down all the time. The voice which tells us we're stupid and dumb and I haven't got things right and are getting things wrong again. That that voice, critical voice, which says, speaks of shame. And instead, we need to learn to listen to God's voice in our heads. So in our inside, we keep alert to the voice of the Holy Spirit, speaking words of encouragement, of affirmation, of direction, of leadership, of guidance. Internally, we also need to keep alert to our bodies. What are our bodies saying to it? Why is my tummy all clenched? Why have my toes curled up? Why are my shoulders struggling? Why am I, is my breathing become quicker? Keep alert. Keep alert to our internal selves and to the external world around us. The sign for keep alert is this, and you can practice it if you like. So from your eyes, and then a little bit of jiggling, which I think is great. Keep alert. And then the next one is stand firm. And maybe you want to stomp with that one. Stand firm. Stand firm in your faith, says Paul. First of all, keep alert to danger and things. And once you've spotted danger, what do you do? You respond to it by standing firm in your faith, which means making sure that you come back to truth always come back to truth. We have to keep in the scripture. We have to keep ourselves accountable with each other. We have to, otherwise we just wobble. But like me on on any kind of like, on a surfboard or something, absolutely impossible. I can't even stand on one leg for very long. You have to stand with two feet, sound on the gospel, sound on the word of God. 
Be aware of the things that will knock you over and pay attention. Keep alert and stand firm. Be aware of the fact that God's best or God's way for you might not be in a way that is most comfortable, whether relationally, financially, or vocationally. He wants us to stand firm in our faith and to allow discomfort in the midst of it. And then be courageous, be strong. So I think courageous, you have start like that, be courageous, strong. You start with open fists and come together as well. So be courageous, be strong. Did you spot verse 9 when Paul says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus and for a wide door for effective work is open to me and there are many adversaries. I love that. Paul says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus and there are many. It's almost like he's just delighting in the fact that challenge is coming. Whoa, yay, I'm going to stay here because everybody's just fighting me about the gospel. Yes, I'm going to stay here. Living as a Christian does not mean avoiding danger and moving away from places which are hard or difficult. It does not mean becoming risk averse. It means be alert. It means stand firm. It means be courageous and strong as we face things which might frighten us, as we venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty, as the dictionary gives it. So we need to be brave and we need to be strong. Did you hear all the way through our readings today the challenges to be courageous and to be strong? It's a message which comes to us loud and clear throughout Scripture. And there's absolutely no reason to be courageous and strong if life is not risky and dangerous. Because why would we need to be? So be aware that the fact that you're living as a Christian might not be straightforward. And then right at the end, Paul does his final greetings, as is his want in all his letters. And he talks to his brothers and sisters, once again affirming the fact that there are men and women in leadership in this church. He says it twice, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, and he names people as he is wont to do, people whom he loves, people who have cared for him, hosting him, feeding him, loving him, refreshing him, and being the guide of the community in Corinth. He calls out these people and he calls them to look, pay attention to each other. And he finishes with the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. So this week, as you go into your work or go into being at home or school or whatever, I'm going to ask you to just do it with me now and say it all together. We're going to keep alert. We're going to stand firm on our faith. We're going to be courageous, be strong, and let all that we do be done in love. Let's try that one more time. Everybody, keep alert. Be, oops, <laughs> let me get it right. Keep alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. So that's 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. And if any of you can remember it, come up and tell it to me again at the end of the service. Let us learn between ourselves to forge unity for love. That's the way that Paul has shown us chapter after chapter in this lovely book. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all the ways that Paul has helped us to um, keep alert to division, 
Keep alert to the dangers around us. Keep alert to the ways that we can so quickly stray from your paths. Will you help us to keep alert? Will you keep, help us to stand firm in your faith, in our faith, by looking carefully, to examining, to watching out for where truth is and where we're being tempted away from the faith? Will you help us to be courageous and to be strong as we engage with our culture, with each other, with our families and friends? Will you help us to be courageous and strong as we stand firm, as we keep alert? And Lord, will you help us to do all things in love? Not for our own benefit, not to promote our own interests, but in love. Will you help us day by day to forge unity in our communities through love? Amen.